Uh, welcome to another episode of Escape from Plan A, mixing it up just a little uh, with me, Jess, as the host. Not that that means too much, um, host duties-wise. Uh, it's really just doing the intro, honestly. But we have an interesting lineup and a talk that we've been hoping to get done for quite a while, but the crazy situation in the economy the last couple of weeks kind of precipitated this. Um, so I've got... I've. I've got Philip. How's it going? What's up, Jess? Yeah. And returning guests, uh, Arnav. What's up? What's up, guys? Arnav. Yeah. And Mike. Hey, uh, who you actually, who guys listened to act- pretty recently, actually. Uh, he and Steve did uh, did the finance pod for normies. Uh, normies or newbies? Newbies. <laughs> Normie newbies uh, mm-hmm. from last week. So um, we're surfing the wagons again to talk about um, what the economy looks like, but specific to um, the tech industry. Um, I, all four of us are from different parts of that industry. So hopefully this can be uh, pretty high level and pretty uh, hopefully cover a good number of bases in that industry. Um, but uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if I need to to intro y'all on what's been going on. So we're kind of we're kind of in a, a, a no man's land economy wise. Um, not, it's just not looking good. Uh, so what we four are here to talk about is what are we looking at right now? What what is it? When have we last seen anything like this? Um, and what could we potentially see coming out of this? Um, coming down the road is that, is that a fair enough encapsulation of what we can get what we think we can get done in this hour i think so mm-hmm. yeah all right yep so um yeah i i mean mike so what's 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 what do things look like today um so yeah economy wise yeah like um on the last part about the finance and economy about finances and the economy we talked about basically very uncertain times and how the last, you know, 12 to 15 years has basically just been um, a very easy money environment. And from the indications that uh, everyone's been looking at these days, including the stock market and the Fed tightening monetary policy, it seems like uh, the easy money is coming to an end, if not already at an end. And generally speaking, the venture capital fueled tech economy is one of the first things to experience either a, a pullback or a very big slowdown. Um, and we're just kind of seeing the be- uh, beginnings of that with a lot of companies. Uh, not only is their stock falling if they're publicly traded, but they're announcing hiring freezes and sometimes layoffs um, in the last few weeks. So it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not looking super rosy for the industry and, Um, I think just talking through where we are uh, potentially in the cycle and where the cycle could go. um, It's, you know, it's, it, this kind of discussion is not meant to scare anyone, but it, there's a lot of people who have never seen this kind of environment um, because they're younger or are new to the industry. And, you know, it's a good thing to keep in mind um, how things could go and and how to sort of personally prepare yourself for. for Yeah. that's That's an actually really good point about the industry possibly being much younger than other equivalent industries that have equivalent like market power, power in society. 
Um, I, th- I think a lot of people who are in tech actually came in long after the 01.com crash mm-hmm. and probably a significant, a significant minority probably entered the workforce post 08. So in the yeah. huge influx of capital that flooded into VC and the industry, um, you know, the rise of Facebook, um, entrenching of like Google, Twitter, um, all of these giant mega companies uh, that needed a ton of, well, we can get to whether they needed all that labor to begin with or not. But the fact was that that's where the money was. So even without any exogenous pressure that those companies were exerting, a lot of people were trying to get into that industry. This was, And around the middle of the decade, you know, um, that's when you know learn to code became a meme right like you know people complaining about getting laid off or not making enough money and the flippant thing to to tell them to do was to go learn to code because tech is where the where the where you could probably score a job that pays you know into the six figures um pretty easily if not way higher than that depending on what uh, specialty you land into and we see the rise of like like stuff like um like code boot camps and stuff that kind of that trained up people at cost. Um, so um, that's pro- that's possibly a phone line that's going to feel some pressure pretty soon um, to just kind of pump people into this industry. So um, it's kind of notable that now um, that things are contracting, um, it, despite it being so powerful and so wealthy, uh, the labor force in this industry is surprisingly vulnerable, or surprisingly, if you weren't if you weren't uh, around for it last time, I think none of none of you guys were at anywhere near tech in '01, right? During that drop off, but it I know no. Mike, your your history was like <laughs> no, I was six, you had I was some, six years old, yeah, right. So, but but uh, '08 was a bit closer to home. I don't know if anyone here like had experienced any of that kind of downturn. Yeah, I was I was laid off in 08 and in 01 I had been working a part-time job in high school and luckily I I I just went off to college so I kind of avoided that whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in 08 I graduated like right smack dab into the mess. Um it wasn't even uh, my my major wasn't even like computer science or anything. I had no intention mm-hmm. of actually being in the in the industry. Um but uh like you could feel the you could like there I was primarily headed into biotech and medicine. Um, I wanted to get a few because uh, I just wanted to get a few years of like work before heading off to grad school. I didn't really quite know, mm-hmm. uh, but there was just no there was no work available or yeah. work that was so outside of what I had studied for and where my interests were or you know where where I needed pay to be that I just kind of rushed back into grad school to to hide it out. Yeah. I remember in 08, I was uh, in college still and I took uh, an economics class as an elective and we were just kind of like watching it happen in the class, <laughs> like getting live updates from our professor and stuff. Very interesting um, that I thought the professor was not, not that great um, in, in hindsight, <laughs> but just interesting to hear it um, from, from him. And when I ended up leaving and, and joined the workforce, 09, 010, I joined a, a large fan company. And I remember the first week I joined, they were just talking about lifting the hiring freeze, right? Which a lot of these mm-hmm. large fangs are now putting in. Yep. Um, and so if that's any indication, then it looks like they had the fang companies at least who put on freezes froze for about two years, year and a half, two years. Sounds about um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. so yeah. Yeah. Those, that's for the, that's for the companies that were already well capitalized. There was mm-hmm. a whole ecosystem like just underneath them. Uh, the ones who were like later stage startups that took off around like 06, 07. Uh, that kind of just went under in that era. So th- what we see now is kind of the survivors of that period, that period of economic disruption. So we haven't seen anyone go under yet, right? But we've seen we've seen layoffs, we've seen slowdowns in hiring. I think some are imminent. Um, I mean, we yeah, have like some giant. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, a lot of the crypto guys uh, end up going under. Like I think you know, there's obviously yeah. the whole scandal with Luna, but yeah. I'm thinking more like platform players that ended up being essentially being over leveraged in the market till now and now suddenly have to uh, you know pay their bills and don't have the cash to do it right like coinbase for example mm-hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if like they take a major hit though i'm pretty sure mike can speak mm-hmm. to that more yeah i'm pretty sure all of the brand name crypto as well as the most of the fang companies have announced hiring freezes at least um, my, my big question is if that crypto.com arena is going to get renamed or not <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, could be. I, I mean, I think it's a pay-as-you-go kind of contract. So if they mm-hmm. 
if they cut, uh, I'm sure there's an out cl- exit clause some, somewhere in there <laughs> that says that we don't have to pay this money if we just stop, you know, yeah. stop getting the naming rights. Yeah. But Coin- Coinbase cut, was it yesterday or today? Like eight, 18%, almost 20%? Of the workforce, I mean, that's yeah, a over- signal that they're trying to like survive this thing, right? Like, that's- yeah, I mean, hiring a freeze is one thing, but actually saying you're trimming down your workforce—that's a whole—that's yep. a whole new step. Um, they're really, mm-hmm. they're they're really feeling the pain here. Yeah, all of the um, real estate tech companies have also announced major layoffs. Mm-hmm. So the the sort yep. of housing boom that was driven by the tech boom as well as the crypto boom is uh, is basically coming to an end. Yeah, so, um, and know, big cracks. Are showing up in the gig economy, uh, mammoths, whales, I guess you would call them. Uh, I mean, uh, like a lot of the big wins of the last handful of years were the gig, the gig companies, Uber, Airbnb, uh, WeWork was so spectacular that it flamed out long with before they could even blame the economy yeah. on it. But yeah, they were um, a leading indicator. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But all of these companies, like, like, I mean, I think uh, I'm seeing a lot more deep analysis from VCs. By the way, the VCs have been like thought leaders, quote unquote, from VC land, have been putting out pretty good like analysis on the situation, um, which I read. And I'm also like, what the fuck, you guys? Like you guys are giving us, you guys are telling us this now. I know. Who was yeah. it that? Who was it that was saying that this is like arsonists giving advice on firefighting? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, sounds about I forget right. who said that, but it's like this is the perfect metaphor. Like true, like arson, an arsonist, a good arsonist. You kind of do want to hear what they have to say about how to fight a fire. They would know best what the yeah. fuck they're doing. But then to like come up, show up now and talk talk to uh, like we'll talk to, we'll talk about the uh, the sequoia the Sequoia note to founders. And also I guess uh, Paul Graham's uh, letter back from like 2008 has been going around uh, about how to survive downturns in the industry. So Mm -hmm. I'm reading it like this is, this is excellent analysis. It's just where the fuck was this last year? Sequoia of all people, of all people, people, companies are people. Sequoia, like Anderson Horowitz, um, mm-hmm. these uh, VCs that were massively inflating these totally garbage companies last year. Like I, I found, I found that Anderson Horowitz, I'm just ranting for a second. Just, you're just going to have to let me go on this one. Um, I found that last year they had dumped 60, they had led a round of $65 million for a startup that's Airbnb, but for your garage. <laughs> I th- wait, I, I thought that was a, a fake thing on Twitter. That's that was real. Oh my That's god! What's, real. A, what's a company called? It's, just for the it's called like, like neighbor.com or neighbors.com. Oh man! Oh yeah, shit! I heard of these guys. I, I was like, yeah, good. and they've raised around the sixty-five yeah. million dollars. And the idea is that you rent someone's garage to store your shit. Sixty-five million dollars. Anderson Horowitz also dumped like like twenty million dollars into the what's that? Like Arnav, I know uh, you've you've we've ranted about them before. That Clubhouse thing was it? It was was it actually called Clubhouse? Wait, Clubhouse as in the uh, the voice app thing? Oh no, not not the voice app. No, sorry. apologies to the Clubhouse people. I'm sure you guys are dickbags, but in your own special way. <laughs> I'm not talking about you right now. No, it's some uh, uh, it's some that that social club for founders. They have oh, like yeah. like founder houses all over the place. Yeah. Oh yeah, shit. Like, uh, it's called Launch House. Launch House. They're Launch House. Yeah. Yeah. They it was, like, it was, like, they it was a pretty. Like, it was a fucking Ponzi scheme. <laughs> yeah, it's just it ends right in there. Okay, they have the most Zoomer website on earth. Um, it looks like you're you, you should be able to buy like like t-shirts or something off of it. And it's uh and it's and I can't get away from their fucking spam ads. Um, no, I've, I've got a story I've about them about about them. They uh, fucked over my friend in like a really shitty way. I I like, believe it. Was- it. Yeah, like he basically had like, it was like early pandemic. He was uh, kind of like contemplating, you know, like leaving his job and starting something new and wanted to get out of the city for a while. So he signed up to the house in uh, to, to their house in Tulum. This is like way early on. And uh, the guy who founded it basically like, you know, took like a deposit from him and assured him that it was refundable if his plans changed or if a situation came up. And then this guy had to... Uh, the guy's mom had like cancer or something, so he had to go back to India. Oh and then she, you know, she was tragically oh, no. passing away. The guy just like ghosted the fuck out of him and didn't give him his money. 
and like hillary had to confront him and also like you know we were talking about this once and he's like you know like i've never hated anybody in my life as much as this guy <laughs> because he took like a few thousand dollars and then refused to give it back after this guy's mom died so, so yeah uh a lot of shady so is this like rewarded is this like an upside to all this like destruction in vc funded startup land that like a lot of these this kind of bad behavior and all this like fucked up like founder house shit as well as like the the zoomer aesthetics and all the kind of aesthetics around hustle culture is going to come to either a halt i don't know if it's going to go and break and come back on the next boom or what do you guys think so i think i think it's going to change but the death of the vc and like the crazy like valuation and the death of the bullshit vc back startup is is sadly i think a little overblown because so, you know, since we're on the topic of in recent Horowitz specifically, uh, you know, they just put what, like, uh, I think one of, I think this company Flow Carbon raised like $70 million from them and from a token offering. And Flow Carbon mm-hmm. is basically carbon offsets on the blockchain, which is one of the most useless fucking things on the planet. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, like, doesn't matter how much, doesn't matter how much like carbon market activity you enable through it or like through a token like the amount of carbon you put out simply by putting using that token even with oh my state <laughs> is like still it's still pretty ridiculous and also like you don't need it what you need is a way to ramp up like supply of carbon offsets not the demand for it the demand is pretty high already and uh yeah and, you know, so <laughs> this is gonna be an episode known as the one where jess completely loses her shit are you <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. dr- no drugs were involved in this laughter. It's authentic. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, and the best part about this company, Flow Carbon, is that the founder is the same is uh, Adam Newman, the same you know scam artist. Oh my god, are you <laughs> fucking serious? Better better. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and but, it's like, this- and you know, carbon markets are not regulated. There's not a lot of scrutiny on them for now, at least. Yeah. Like, if you if you were Adam Newman, you would enter this shit right now. Sure. You know the guys yeah. from recent Horowitz, like you know, yeah, and it helps him. It, it, it yeah. helps him clean up his image, right? But like, I hope I'm, I'm hoping that like scammers like him have a much harder play at getting into VC startups in the next decade plus because of the maybe the lessons learned from this downturn. I don't know. I'm just trying to see if there's an upside, right? I think like cooling of certain very frothy business models, like some areas, like like crypto. Like I was talking about how. Crypto, like all the bullshit companies are going to go away and anything that's actually reasonable that uses blockchain in an interesting, applicable, maybe profitable way, like actually profitable and sustainable, not like bullshit profitable and Ponzi scheme. Like those will hopefully survive maybe, right? Actual applications that make sense. Um, I don't know. This is a, a, a great cleansing of the bullshit. I'm, I'm hoping it is. It, right? it is. I, I think, I mean, it's just long overdue, right? Like the last 12 years is... It's been it's a it's been a pretty long cycle just because of there's been so much money out there. So mm-hmm. if if this downturn does what it's supposed to do, then it should clear out a lot of this stuff and at least leave people with a little bit more skepticism on the next roundup uh, up cycle. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's a more interesting question than like who is going to get wrecked by this. We talked about layoffs, we talked about slowdowns in hiring, we're talking about like imminent collapses of companies. But like a good question around like what kind of companies will make it past this? Um, that Sequoia deck, you know, that we're alluding to that we should share in our, our notes here, talks about like how certain companies have managed to actually take advantage of these situations as an opportunity to survive and get past their competition if they plan ahead, right? Um, though a, apparently a big part of planning ahead is to like fire people, like lay off people and cut people, yeah. cut marketing, cut expenses, right? That's that's a huge, like that's like 50% of what that, that presentation was uh, calling for from their founders because they know they need to do it. Yeah, you're um, basically just racing against time or your bank account to, to become a real business. Yeah, reduce burn, um, right? And try yeah. to crank yeah. actual and profits. It, and that's in that's in two different ways, right? Like one, so that you don't necessarily have to raise money if you right. if you don't want to. Because it'll be hard. Because it will be hard. And also two, if you do decide to raise money, it'll be on favorable terms. Instead mm-hmm. of you know, yeah, instead just of getting, whatever you're getting in the market. Right by now. VC. What's that? Uh, I mean hmm? uh, I was Go just ahead, saying Arnold? so instead of whatever you're getting in the market right now, so uh I know a bunch of companies, including the one that, uh, you know, I work at right now. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, if a lot of us, there's a lot of companies that have had, that had plans to fundraise this summer. Mm-hmm. And I think, are uh, you know, frankly, going to put it on, put it on hold right now because 
you know, you can go to VCs and you can get really, really shit terms. You can take a hit on your valuation. You can, uh, you know, like I'm sure there's a ton of companies that will get, where that will have down rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Especially, yeah. And uh, in, especially in, you know, like, like sectors that were hot until now. So like crypto, Web3, uh, just like your general enterprise SaaS. But uh, at the same time, I think it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, I think it's one of those things where you're going to see a little bit more of like belt tightening, but also uh, different sets of companies coming in, right? So I think one thing that's interesting over here is that uh, I'm not sure exactly what uh, what 08 wiped out in tech, but if I like recall correctly, uh, the dot-com bust basically got rid of like a bunch of unprofitable e-commerce or other uh, players like that, that frankly just Pets. hadn't. Pets.com. Pets. I was going to say Pets.com. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the first yeah. one I thought of, right? But like a lot of those ones were, a lot of those ones were in some ways ahead of their time, right? Because now it's super easy to do e-commerce, but at that time yeah. to do it, you would have to, you know, spend a ton on setting up your own, uh, like payments, infrastructure, logistics stack, all Server of that. Racks, yeah. 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 I feel and, bad for uh, them, actually. Yeah. I mean, Chewy, that, that Chewy is basically Pets.com again, and they are massively profitable. Yeah. <laughs> so way, a lot of the, yeah. yeah. Go by ahead. the way, Pets.com yeah. now is owned by Petco. <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, see, well, that, it, that li- domain, it lives. I mean, yeah, the domain. Yeah. Not the, it lives. the company's long gone. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, so I think what's interesting there is that these are, these are companies that are ubiquitous now, but uh, at least the sector is ubiquitous now. And the guys who really won in that sector aren't the various e-com like you know just targeted e-commerce companies that are coming in. It's the companies that build infrastructure for to enable e-commerce, right? Like think of like Stripe or Shopify or something like that. And I'm just curious. I'm just wondering what the what that looks like for the next for you know companies that are in that are going to get cleaned out right now, but in the future might make a comeback, right? So. Uh, I'm still skeptical about Web3, but, uh, you know, things around crypto might be interesting. Uh, you know, things around gig, gig, gig economy stuff, for example, really started uh, being built and taking off in the uh, after 08, if I recall correctly. Like, I think Airbnb started in what, like 2008, 2009, something like that. Uh, and so on and so forth. So I think there's going to be basically like plays that you... I think a lot of the plays that actually end up working now are going to be those be in that category where, uh, you know, the market might not have been a good fit for the market uh, right in the boom leading up to the crash. But after the crash, when you have a reorganization, that's the stuff that ends up coming out. Yeah, no, notable companies that came out of 01, I would say, are like Google because it started in, what, 98? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Amazon started in the late 90s, made it through, right? Still around, huge still, but their stock price is taking a big hit. Um, Microsoft's been around longer. They don't really count. Apple too. They don't really count. Um, Yahoo kind of yeah, counts. There's a, there's a sector of tech that you basically don't, shouldn't, it, it is not very um, like sensitive to market forces because they're basically arms of the state, right? Like Microsoft, Google, uh, Apple to some extent, I think like Oracle is, um, all of these companies are going to be just fine because they are basically American. They're, they're, American infrastructure. Yeah, they're also defense so, contractors. Yeah, hugely. Pro- <laughs> they make a ton of money on that stuff. So yep. um, they're not going anywhere. Um, their stock price might go up and down. That's a super. That's kind of superficial for them. It's not live or die. Sure, and that's why they can. That's why exactly why they can freeze and not lay off, right? Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, one note, uh, just in reading a ton of stuff from that VCs have been putting out over the last couple of weeks, uh, one one annoying thing um, is that when they start comparing, you know, when they're trying to hype up like another generation of founders or something to, to you know, charge through um, and like, you know, tomorrow's unicorns are going to be built today in, in this time of trial, um, right? right? All of that is probably going to be true, but they're missing one big thing, and that is themselves. Um, we did not have the VC firepower in 08 that we have right now. They could mm-hmm. be potentially the biggest roadblocks to seeing a, a, a better tomorrow blossom. Um, like I was listening to the All In guys, um, uh, really great podcast. I think they put out a lot of information. I just, just like personally, it's like you guys, you guys are just like. You, I'm listening to, I might be listening to pure evil here. Um, 
but like like okay like they just had a summit right and they they actually like one of the one of the people like jason kala was was like questioning on stage like oh what's what's adam newman up to now after we work he's like yeah whatever adam newman's doing right now of course you would be invest i would you know put down tons of money to invest in whatever he's doing Jeez. well that's that's kind of a sim- signal right they have so much money by their own by their own reckoning vc has uh, a quarter of a trillion dollars of mm-hmm. capital um i there was a little bit of back and forth on whether that's actually like like, like deployable capital, but in essence, like in aggregate, they potentially have up to like $250 billion on hand right now that they could potentially deploy into the industry. Meaning you can't ignore their tastes and their uh, the, what they want to see in the industry uh, in what we're going to see. We did not have anything close to that in 01 or 08. Right. So um, a lot of these people put out these analyses and kind of like erase themselves from the analysis here. A lot of it is going to be determined by what they want to see um, in the market in the next two, three years. Yeah, and, and a lot of that is not just going to be Greenfield Ventures, right? Like they're going yeah. to use that money to go after distressed companies and mm-hmm. do down rounds, which basically just means diluting the existing shareholders uh, massively to take either a majority or a large minority stake in in an existing company. And that's, you know, that's something to watch out for if you work for one of these, one of these firms that's looking to get, uh, I wouldn't call it predatory, but I would definitely call it opportunistic. Um, I was about to call it predatory. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what we all see over and over again is them talking about how um, like, oh, this is a, you know, a a downturn like this is great for founders because um, hiring is going to get, hiring top talent is going to get much easier. What's that actually mean? It means that wages are about to go down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Cost of living hasn't budged an inch. I mean, it's It's done the exact opposite um but in a doubt but they're all salivating over the fact that okay you can exploit some desperate people now because we have a lot of talent that's potentially about to be let loose in a in an environment with high inflation just skyrocketing costs of living um and they're going to be desperate so you're going to be able to snap them up at, at at budget you know wages exploit them a little Get funding from us. Keep diluting, so locking your workers out of uh, out of gains, and make us richer when we co- finally come out of this. You guys That's, think the in essence, what's what, you guys think the four hundred k a year software engineer at Netflix is going to go away? No, I think there's going to be fewer of them, but I don't think okay. uh, yeah. at the high the, end, yeah. I don't think. Uh, yeah, there, the there's going to be fewer, but that 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 class of worker has been locked in. They'll do whatever. And they are they- worth it. Yeah, they'll do whatever it takes to retain the top tier and let sure. the rest. Mm-hmm. Of it. Yeah, I think I think one yeah. thing that'll happen that'll get accelerated way more is basically I was just actually just talking to my dad about this, right? Because he was just asked because he's was starting a new business in India that is you know very like very much in meat space and very like you know is like a capital intensive one. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him about this, and he's like, uh, you know, like he's like, okay, how is your how does your pricing work for? company I work at right now it's like a climate software one and I was like you know we do have a high base for it and the reason is that we've got to hire some very talented data scientists and engineers but mm-hmm. uh you know a lot of the data scientists and engineers are you know we hire them abroad right because hiring hiring those many people in the bay area or in the US is cost wise pretty difficult to do but one thing i think that's the pandemic definitely accelerated, but it was already a trend is basically hiring entire teams of engineers that are abroad and kind of building out your core engineering function mm-hmm. outside of, you know, the market where you're headquartered, right? If you're in a, you know, in like a high cost of living area or something like that. Yeah. And I think like, you know, with companies like Deal that exist to basically make that whole, uh, to make that whole ecosystem like better, more standardized, and you know, even treat them as treat uh, employees who you might employ employ abroad abroad as full time employees, as opposed to just contractors, and made, therefore making life easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think stuff like that is probably going to accelerate a shift where you have the super, like you know, like you have the rock star software engineers or engineering managers located in the Bay or New York or wherever. Mm-hmm. But uh, you just have a lot of the, you know, the grunt, the grunt, the grunt, the grunts, the rank and file software engineers being hired from India, Philippines, Mexico, Argentina, wherever, you know, wherever, right? Yeah. 
Ukraine. Let's not shout out yeah, to no, Ukraine. So, yeah, I mean, amazing in engineers in, in uh, Eastern Europe, <laughs> yeah. right? Central Europe yeah. for sure. Um, Poland, Ukraine. I mean, an Estonian guy at a bar in Palo Alto, and this guy, this this guy, for some reason, thought I was going to invest in. Like my friend was like fucking with him for some reason, and I was <laughs> like, well, I don't have any money to. I was like. He's like, you know, please come invest in, come invest in me. You see, us Estonians, we are very great engineers. You Indians, great, uh, great, uh, great salespeople. Come invest <laughs> in me. Together we make it. Together we make great company. <laughs> Shit, like, like, you know, I'm sorry I mean, if I said any slaps with that. But the the, uh, the, the company I'm at now, like we have, um, you know, offshore. They like to call it nearshore these days. Um, folks mm-hmm. in in India and Eastern Europe. Um, and like, frankly, like myself in Canada, right? Like Canadian wages for software UX, um, you know, PM is way cheaper talent, I would say, than the US, um, unless mm-hmm. you have a special arrangement. <laughs> um, and so there's, a, I, I think there might be more of that. In fact, like even during all this downturn, there's been more and more US companies opening up shop in Toronto um, and trying to hire people here as well. So I, I can see that happening too. And you think about it, like, you know, no language barrier, right? Similar time zones, like it's a huge advantage. Um, mm-hmm. to hire Canadians too. So I can see more of that happening as well. Yeah, yep. I see no, a lot more work going overseas. Um, so there's a big pool of uh, there's a big pool of engineers who maybe got started in maybe in the last five years um, that I, I see as very vulnerable right now. Yeah. yeah. Go, I mean, globalization go, is coming after them. Going back to the yeah. whole, um, uh, you know, boot camp thing that a lot of folks have gone through, like, is that at risk? Like that, that always felt shaky because there's always this like kind of unfair bias against uh, boot camp trained software engineers and UX designers, et cetera. Um, you know, and there's always, also a lot of kind of sketchy boot camps that did weird, like weird uh, models around how you got, you know, paid and stuff, right? And, or lied about how much money you could make coming out of their schools. But all, on top of all that, we now have this downturn where there, you know, apparently there's still a lot of hiring going, but also apparently there's a lot of layoffs going. Like, what's what's the net net for folks who are brand new coming from from these schools? Do you think? I mean, I would I would say that that doesn't necessarily put you at a distinct disadvantage when it comes to layoffs or whatever. But um, you know, if if you're new to the industry in general. Uh, you, you know, it always behooves you to learn the politics of your own company and try to get on teams that are critical mm-hmm. to the business, et cetera. Right. And get in tight with the groups or the managers or whoever that, um, are less likely to be chopped. Um, that, that's advice for anybody, regardless of yeah. how you got into your marketing role, your sales role, your, yep. your programming role, whatever it is. Right. Like yeah, it becomes yep, a people like, job pretty, yeah, I, pretty quickly, quicker than you but, would like. Right. And yeah. I, I, I think yeah. I only mentioned this because I think a lot of uh, boot camp um, graduates didn't necessarily come from the white collar world. Um, mm-hmm. They may have come from, you know, either straight out of uh, high school or from maybe a more blue collar background or, or just something where that those soft people skills weren't quite as important. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, you got to you got to do what you can to sort of get in tight with the people that uh, are important to the company. Yeah, it's just big trend is um, like a lot of work is going to get moved overseas, um, like push like as I mean, the only the only thing that they're competing on pretty much is price. Like we have quality engineers all around the world. So we're really only looking at wage disparity. So in that sense, like everything is in place to keep pushing more and more jobs in the tech sector out of, you know, out of, you know, like American, American levels of high wages and onto, into lower cost, uh, lower cost countries. So that pressure exists. How you navigate that, that's uh, that, that becomes a, that becomes a people game. Like hit up the contacts, build the networks, then schmooze. Yeah. It's a, it's, I hate doing it personally. And I, I hate giving that advice, but like, what else do you do right now? Yeah. It's, it's one of the only things you can do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, otherwise you just you, sit you at can't your control when you, when you enter the industry, you can't control what, uh, I mean, you should always keep developing your skills too. You should be leveling up constantly. Um, yeah. But aside from that, like you can't, you can't suddenly be a 20 year veteran of the industry right now. Uh, so the yep. biggest thing you can maximize is to make sure you are as ind- indispensable as possible in the company that you are in. 
Yeah. And if you start feeling the heat, you know, ask for more, uh, more responsibilities or, mm-hmm. or, or do whatever you can. Cause otherwise the alternative is just sit at your desk and wait for whatever happens to you, which is, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. the old not adage of not having to outrun the dragon, but outrunning your friend who's also oh, trying right. to outrun the dragon. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. It's, it's brutal, but game. like that's, there's yeah. outrun the bear. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, God. Bear market. Yeah. Great. <laughs> well, nobody outruns the bear, but um, yeah, um, you can survive on, a little longer. On that note of like, you know, more advice and brushing up on your skills and that kind of track of thinking and, and just what you said earlier about like when you came in, into the working world in 08 and like went back to school, is it a good time now? Like this is not just in tech, but maybe especially in tech, right? But overall with this like pretty obvious recession is going to hit us. Is it a good time to like go do a master's and just like fuck off and go into academia for two years and wait it out? I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, I was able to afford tuition, so I came out with no uh, like student loans or anything. So obviously, in the U.S., student loans is a huge uh, is a huge issue. Yeah. Um. So I really don't know. I mean, I w- I mean, that's that's already like twelve years ago. Um. I have no idea what what tuition looks like, especially you know post undergrad in the United States. So it's really it can come down to a financial decision, and I hate to say that because that's not how it should be. Yeah, uh, you are gambling. You're taking on you're taking on potentially a lot of debt for a couple of years and hoping that at the end of it there is going to be some semblance of an industry or an economy that you are optimized for that mm-hmm. you can uh, get a foothold in um, and then be and then be ahead of your debt. As we've seen in the last decade, that has not been the case for a lot of people. A lot of people are trapped in jobs that do not pay enough for them to support themselves and get make any headway on their debt. Yeah, you also have to count the opportunity cost. Not, it's not right. just the money you're spending; it's the money you're not making as well. Yes. Yeah, but I, I think the point I'm trying to make is like it's harder to make money now. It's hard to find work. It's hard to find a high-paying job as well. So, is it a good time if you had it in mind to like go back to school and like wait it out for two years, but also be protective and build, build your CV, right? Build your skills. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, uh, I think, um, I mean, I definitely uh, got my application in right like in the 11th hour because, you know, like the job search was just going nowhere. Um, It was that old tired thing, you know, um, entry level position for X, um, three to five years of experience preferred. Right. Like I was getting nowhere because this was hitting everybody. So I was up against like PhDs. Um, who were willing to who were willing to like lower their requirements to work for to work at like entry level uh, positions basically. Mm. Um, so it was just going nowhere. So I thought I just made the quick pivot and thought, okay, I'm just gonna go to grad school right now. Then um, and it turned out to be a good call for me. I I mean it's it would it was definitely better than say like having a two year gap right out the gate from college. So if it's if it's in the budget, if you're able to swing it, if there's a program, um, if there's a program that you like, uh, that's it. That seems to be in a in a stable field that probably won't disappear in the next couple of years. That's probably a very safe bet. Yeah, and if you can get into a program at a school that has tight relations with industry, that mm-hmm. is also a, a recruitment channel. You know what I mean? So hmm. it could be a good decision. That's very true. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very so I know there's perfect. a lot of there's a lot of programs that are online now a lot more than I don't think that existed when I you know when I was looking at the when I was thinking of my options um, so I think they're very tempting to do some of them are pretty like fancy names like I think Stanford has a all like online masters program um, all these schools do um mm-hmm. but what mike said is important like it's the people that you meet in grad school that are also part of the value of going back to school like building that network i don't know how easy it is it would be to build that with a completely online experience oh yeah i, I also heard that uh so a family friend of mine just got into stanford business school and they have a one-year executive mba program so i'm sure that's going to get more popular in the future mm, yeah at other schools so if you don't want to if you don't yeah. want to give up two or three years of your life, you can do just one at some of these programs. Yeah, a lot of them, like even beyond just the one-year programs, will do uh, like summer cert- certificates or something. Like how, like Harvard Business School does this a lot. Like most of them are kind of scammy, honestly. Even the like ones from prestigious unis, but yeah, they basically they just call it like you know like executive education. You go to you pay for like a three-month thing. You don't get a, you don't even get a formal degree, but 
there is a networking value that you can derive from that right uh yeah so i think i think you're going to see a lot of people doing it's that it's there so but, you can yeah. put harvard on your linkedin and the algorithm the recruitment algorithm picks up <laughs> the keyword yeah you have literally no idea you have literally no idea how yeah. many times i've been looking for like people from like prestigious uni networks like reach out to for like work uh like just related to my job or something and i look at it and i'm like oh i can't even like <laughs> like you know use that as a hook to talk to this person because they've been there for literally 3 months in the summer without anybody else and they're not and they're not in the alumni yeah. database so i can't email them mm-hmm. uh yeah and but i, I yeah. know that uh uc has a bunch of programs like this too i i went to a uc so um i think a lot of people out there did obviously just by just by the sheer numbers so yeah check with your uc for any kind of shorter executive education programs out there as well yeah Yeah. Okay. What what about what about um the thing that Mike you did during a recession which is started a company. Is that a good idea at this at this moment? Uh so yeah, that is what I did in 2008 after I got laid off. Um I I I mean that this is a very personal thing. I don't know if I would recommend it per se, but if you've got low cost of living like if you're young or whatever or you have a bunch of savings, and you can see an inefficiency in the market that you've been dealing with that you would like to solve yourself i would say that that is a good opportunity to go after so like for us back in the day when i started uh we started we started as a consulting company and then moved to a a hosting company and then like managed services and cloud services and all that stuff so that that was like an evolution over 10 years but the initial um thing that we did was basically just managed hosting like rackspace style so mm-hmm. that that at the time it was an easy thing to get into because we had data center management experience and consulting experience and managed services is basically just the combination of those two things but the the way that we got uh motivated to do that was we were paying at our day jobs that we got laid off from we were paying extremely high prices for the service from Rackspace i think it was so we were like oh this is we'll just do this um yeah it's profitable it, Yeah, it's profitable and we can do it and you know, like it's it's not super expensive to get started. Okay. Um, so but, so what I'm getting from this is like probably don't start a company unless you actually have the exact expertise and skills and have a profitable uh, profitable business model in mind, right? Like it, it's correct. it's very hard. So yeah. in most cases maybe maybe not in this unless, case. Unless unless you have a very obvious opportunity to go after and or you just have a ton of cash. in which you know you in uh, and time that you want to spend for whatever sure. reason which most people don't um yeah th- those are the only circumstances that I would recommend it because it's going to be a slog you're not going to be able to necessarily raise money you may have to bootstrap it and it's just going to be quite quite a, a challenge but think- on the other hand if you have all those things and to to kick it or uh, to 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 make the deal sweeter you have you know one or two people that or companies that could be first customers then mm-hmm. then you should definitely go for it. Mhm. I think I'll the other thing after that. that is that uh I think in 08 was 08 was when things like YC were just uh just starting out, right? And yeah. you know basically have this whole network of uh you basically have a whole network of both funds and accelerators that basically exist to de-risk doing something at a super early stage. uh that you frankly didn't owe it and all and definitely didn't in O1 and i think what's interesting there is that if you've uh if you have like an idea you you've thought about you're trying to work on you think that it, you think it's going to be uh you think it might be related to uh you think it might be related to something that's going to be a trend later on this might be a good time to start like you know applying a grant supply or accelerator something that can like help you pay the bills while you think about it and work on it assuming you you know assuming like everything that mike said checks out in the sense that you have a you know you have like a cushion to fall back on and you have and you know that there's a need that this might serve like not saying you like can try to like I don't know re- reinvent like invent some invent something totally different like uh like I don't know like go like try to make a decentralized internet or something like in the silicon valley tv show But if it's an actual like real problem that you see, it then, was a compression yeah. algorithm. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah, I mean, if, if you're, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's the takeaway, right? Like, if you're going to bootstrap a company, 
just have a thing that you want to solve immediately. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. you yeah. can't like waffle yeah. around. It has yeah. to be a problem that it has to be a real problem that requires real skill that has that can be translated to a real value. So yeah. I think uh, the era of the 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 lifestyle entrepreneur is over. Hmm. I think oh, yeah, the, no, the plane wreck dropshippers, they should be sweating yeah. a little bit because their their shit is about to get rocked big time. Uh, the people that are doing, oh, yeah. you know, lifestyle, like low, no code stuff uh, to cobble together a quick little service and try to and try to flip that uh, into 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 a profitable thing. Mostly as a lifestyle. It seems like mostly to get to grease their uh, entrepreneur grift on YouTube or something um, that that game has now changed forever. Um, well, until the next wave gets super bloated and decadent. But for now, that that is the riskiest venture to participate in. So I would only say you should you should try to form a company now if you personally have um, most of the skills that you are going to need to solve the problem that you are trying to solve. Um, you have a solid network of people. And all of this comes with time, right? Uh, so for all that we've been fetishizing, like the 22-year-old college dropout founder turned billionaire before he, you know, he turns 30 or something like that's, that's not feasible right now. Um, you have to have the skills and the network and the cash and the time. Uh, if you have all of those, I think now's actually a great time to start some, to start a, a project. I'm yeah. personally going to be launching two companies this year. Yeah. Uh, this is the, this is, this is, uh, yeah. this is kind of the opportunity that I've been waiting for because, um, the, the, the scene has become, has become very, very Baroque and very hostile to actual like new technology. Um, like for all their talk, for all the VC talk about disruption, they are very traditional, very conservative in their spend. So when I'm talking about how they have, uh, they, they're analyzing the scene right now as if they don't exist. Um, that's a potential risk factor because they have $250 billion and they haven't been the best stewards of that money. Um, as we've seen over and over again over the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, and I would also say that in a downturn, it's also easier to get customers because people start becoming cost conscious again. Hmm. Yes. Um, you don't now you don't want now like you don't want to compete on price forever. That's a bad idea. But when you're starting out, it's a great idea because you can, you know, you can onboard your first couple of customers, actually get revenue in the door, which is like once you start getting some revenue in the door, that flips your entire mindset completely because now you're actually making money, right? And then you can work mm-hmm. with your customers and improve your service yeah, or your yep. product. You have something over. to optimize. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and then you can iterate on that. So so it's a good time to get started as long as all of the stars align and you don't make any rash decisions um, and spend a bunch of money that you can't afford on some dumb idea that doesn't exist. I, I kind of want to ask you guys about this um, this very like highly favored adage in the tech world, the tech business world, um, which I think is supposed to be a John F. Kennedy quote, but I think it's also been debunked, like the, the meat of it has been debunked. It's a, it's a quote that says, when written in Chinese, the word crisis is comprised of two characters, one <laughs> that represents danger and one that represents opportunity. Um, is that the kind of situation that you, like, as tech people, you kind of view situations like right now as? Or is that kind of just like a misleading, you know, feel good quote about what you can get done in a very shitty time? Uh, yeah, I don't, I can't speak to the accuracy of the, <laughs> of the Chinese, but... Um, sure. The, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll just say that if I, if I didn't get laid off in 08, I wouldn't have started my company. As simple as mm-hmm. that. If somebody just handed me another job, I would have just kept going, but that wasn't in the card. So yeah, I mean, it's obviously, um, how you look at things. Right. Uh, so I, I would say that, yeah, right now is a time of, it's basically like you can, it's basically a time of change, right? It, it's not necessarily danger or opportunity, but shit's going to change. Mm. And if you, if you are kind of uh, spared from the change and nothing changes, then nothing changes. But if you are going to either be affected by change or are going to be proactive about the change, or if you get fired and, and then decide to start a company or, or whatever, you know, it, it's a great opportunity because the landscape is shifting in terms of what people pay for, work arrangements, financing availability, and, and all that stuff. So it's, you know, it's it's just a big it's a big change that you can take advantage of if, if you want to. Yeah. And there's an inevitability to it too, that I don't think it's uh, factored in enough. 
um, like everyone should have known that the ride was wasn't going to last forever, right? So mm-hmm. um, there's kind of a like you just have to be willing to ride the wave, so to speak. Um, change is inevitable, right? No one thought that like Sears Roebuck would ever go bankrupt. Nobody ever thought like Chrysler would be begging at the you know at the Senate floor. Uh, asking for money, uh, right? Nobody thought this. Nobody thought a little upstart from Palo Alto um, would become like a trillion dollar company, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and there will be co- something that comes that disrupts that company too, or all the, all the, all the uh, companies right now that seem untouchable, their day will come too. And, you know, this, and it's just a matter of being willing to accept, accept the, uh, that kind of terrain where such things like that are possible and seeing how you fit into it. Like, not, I don't, if you, if you don't like risk, then you shouldn't get involved. If you have an idea and you have the means to be able to pursue it, then I think right now is a great time to do it. So for the people who have, a, have some ambition, um, like I wouldn't let the, uh, I wouldn't let the, the panic in the air kind of, um, dissuade people from jumping on from jumping on the opportunity a lot of the panic is from people who won in the last round being anxious about preserving their gains from the last round why am i supposed to be that why am i supposed to share in that that worry on their behalf i want my piece of that yeah i would i would agree with that agree with that also uh also i mean i think i said this before on this podcast but uh this is a great time to uh this is the diff- thing that's different this time is that you there are avenues to go through that are uh, you know that are frankly de-risked uh, compared to yes. uh, 08 or 01 mm-hmm. and you know like YC has a ton of money that they, that they needed throughout a lot of the early stage funds just you know literally raised <laughs> literally raised their funds in the last like 6 months to a year right especially and a lot of them mm-hmm. are going towards sectors like uh, crypto fintech climate is a big one and uh Maybe the later stage VCs and the uh, yeah maybe the later stage VC the later stage VCs and uh, you know some of the scammy ones uh, some of the like blue chip ones can uh, you know do have the power to uh, you know like pass on them for now but uh, I think a lot of the early stage ones do have obligations on how many investments they make how much deal flow they get through and their LPs aren't going to uh, you know like. The LPs aren't going to ask for their funds to be returned like right away. I don't think this counts as a full-on force majeure event or anything like that. At least not yet. So you will be able to get some like funding uh, and relatively risk-free funding if you're in a sector that is still has like long-term tailwinds behind it, right? So uh, DeFi might be one, climate is definitely one, uh, and so on and, and so on. So yeah, so I think that's one thing to take away. If you have the means and you know you have the means of getting some relatively dearest capital and even if there isn't a clear path to profitability yet this might be a good time to try to start it out and uh, it's what we saw in right after 08 with uh clean tech 1.0 imploding like about a year or two after that as well the clean tech companies that survived that were the ones who innovated on their business model quite a bit like sundown is a great example of this and basically made use mm-hmm. of the changing dynamic there so this is a this is definitely something interesting to take note of then yeah, it's not the same as uh, you know, like the the eating ramen on the floor for three months straight, uh, being broke all the time, uh, founder. I mean, that's that, that's it's it's never an easy ride. But like funds are g- giving away money at earlier and earlier stages. Like there's you can get money at like the pre product stage. Uh, that's tricky too because basically then it's about how good of a salesman you are. Um, mm-hmm. but it means that you don't necessarily have to do like the old stereotype of what founding a startup is, has, is already outdated. Um, it yep. no longer simply means you have to slog it out for like a year in abject poverty on the off chance that a VC notices you and gives you like, I don't know, like a $50 million ter- like series eight term sheet or something. It means you can start at the idea phase. Pre-product means you actually, you won't get money if you have a product. Um, so at that stage, you can maybe get 50,000 up to maybe a couple hundred for a really stellar team and a, and a just banger of an idea. Um, and that's, that's, as Arnav said, it's, uh, it's relatively risk-free. Yeah. You I, haven't I would, committed 
any product to this. <laughs> I would I would agree with the general optimism here, which is maybe unusual for this group in this pod. But I would just qualify that by saying this: the big thing about this downturn is that all of that might still be true. There might still be opportunity and money out there and and jobs for those who want to take the jobs in tech. But there's also a sobering up, right? Like you yeah. might be able to still get like pre-product or pre-revenue money, but you need to now be pitching a non-snake oil, like non-pie in the sky, much more grounded, sober, and profitable business model, and not just some we work bullshit or some juicero bullshit, right? I think yeah, that's the big absolutely. Difference. That's yeah. true value is what people are going to be looking for, um, and it's kind of crazy that that now all of a sudden people have realized what good software is what a good product, what actual value add is. And these are the same people that were like, oh, yeah, sure. On iDrop delivery service for cats. Sure, let's throw 10 million at that <laughs> shit. Like, this is yeah. six months ago. People are talking now like, oh, the, the, the wise old, you know, white beards of wisdom here coming down from Mount Olympus. And like, no, you people were funding the craziest BS four months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would just add that, um, especially now with an, uh, an, a recession, on the horizon and <clears throat> excuse me, uh, inflation on uh, here right now. Um, the last couple of people that I ran across that had successful bootstrapped companies that were actually at the point of looking for found uh, uh, funding from an advent uh, from an from an advantageous point in in their kind of growth cycle have been B two B software companies. So you know one of the big things that businesses are going to try to do as the inflation cycle picks up is cut costs. And if you are able to sort of pitch something to them that will help them cut their costs or increase their revenue in, in terms of software or services, that might be a good area to look in, uh, in terms of opportunity. I think the B2C stuff is going to see a lot of fallout because people are just going to cut back hard on spending. Um, That's an important point. Another Especially big the, yeah. sector of companies that have been wobbling, I see deep cracks opening up, are the B2C uh, startups from the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, MeUndies. Yeah, all the subscription people. services and like direct yeah. B2C sales. It, you know, Harry's Harry's Razors. advertises on a podcast or YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Like, yeah. Like, no, like, like, I always, like, I always wonder why, why the hell does Manscaped uh, in like advertise so much <laughs> and then i realized that they Dude, have, their like, numbers were insane they burned like what was it they burned like 150 million dollars for 14 in revenue 14 million in wow. revenue yeah that oh, was an wow. insane burn man that cac is pretty uh, that cac sounds pretty bad not gonna lie <laughs> I'm yeah, looking I mean, forward to hearing fewer Squarespace ads on on uh, podcasts. So, you know, <laughs> it's a win-win. I mean, it's really, I'm looking forward I mean, it's to hearing fewer, fewer BetterHelp ads. Like, uh, oh yeah, uh, I wonder what. Uh, I get so mad hearing BetterHelp ads. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I always wondered, like, you know, I I just it's hard to compete with something that you can just walk into a drugstore and buy for five bucks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. if it's a recurring cost that you have to you have to keep paying, like you know, like a subscription. It's a lot of it's a lot of money for people who are your target audience, which is young people who don't make a ton of money. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. What do I know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it's a safe bet. Like, uh, sadly, we do live in a very, very unequal society with a very, very unequal distribution of capital. If you are trying to make a business, you are trying to make money, and it behooves you to know where that money is. Targeting these uh, these big companies that are basically giant pools of money locked up, um, not a bad strategy. But that's just nope, a thought. There's so there's a ton of opportunities out there. I think the one of the biggest myths that I I would like to see some some sh- thinking shift on is that the web is built out. That's deeply untrue. Wait, say People more. Are always, huh? Same basic shit basic shit like why does why why is there a memory hole in firefox that hasn't been patched since 2014 why do i have to restart my browser every once in a while or it completely locks up on an m1 mac by the way yeah there's really basic stuff like authentication that you know has been mm-hmm. a hot mess for a while and you know that the software giants are trying to tackle it but it, it's just still very clunky very very yeah. apropos that we're discussing this in the day of ie's uh, sunset yeah good riddance <laughs> 
Bye bye. I saw I saw a great tweet. Um, Internet Explorer joins the twenty seven club. <laughs> oh wow! Oh man! Oh shit! Is it actually twenty seven years old now? Yeah, it's twenty seven yeah. years old. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess it came with Windows ninety five. So that that made my that makes my uh, uh, job as a developer so much easier. <laughs> I don't if I never have to deal with Internet Explorer ever again. So good riddance. Apologies to Asia, which is apparently still on Internet Explorer. What the fuck are you guys doing? Come on, Japan. Come on. Well, Japan, Japan's so on Yahoo, though. I mean, they're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Again, has, like, Yahoo, Yahoo Japan has, like, I remember, like, seeing huge ads for Yahoo Japan in, like, the Shibuya middle of Crossing, Shibuya, man. Shinjuku. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. the middle of Shibuya Crossing. I was like, the fuck? Like, no, fuck? Like, like, nobody, like, oh, the only reason I haven't got rid of my old Yahoo account yet is because it's linked to, like, it linked to some things that I can't get it off. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people who think about, you know, what problems to solve, they're thinking very shallow level problems, um, like how to how to connect two apps together in a better way. Not to say that that's not valuable, but I don't know if that's enough deep value add to the ecosystem right now. But they would all but if you pressed them, I think a lot of people would say that, oh, you know, Facebook already does social networking, you know, um, Google already does search. Yeah. Well, how good are your experiences on any of these platforms? Right. There are mm-hmm. deep problems with the web, with information technology, uh, with the way the internet is run, structured, secured. Um, there's big problems that still have to be solved. There was no inevitability that this state of things was the way it had to be. These were conscious decisions made by people at every step of the way. We can walk back a lot of these decisions too. Better things are possible, people. And we don't need to necessarily hop. I'm a big Web3, like, hopeful. Um, but we don't need to go to Web3 uh, to to try to escape the problems that we are facing right now either. So I don't see it as a panacea to just hop to just try to, like, build out something new because you don't want to take on the likes of, like, like Google or Facebook or something. Yeah, there's there's been a, a major infrastructure uh, underinvestment in the post GFC period from 2010 to 2020 mm-hmm. in pretty much all fundamental uh, technologies, including physical stuff like commodities, mm-hmm. uh, the yep. roads we drive on, et cetera. And, uh, but also in tech because that just wasn't sexy for a long time. Yeah. Nobody wanted to do it. resource conservation. So this is why uh, chips have been getting better and better, but everything still screams to a halt. If you open up Slack. I always wondered right. why that happened. <laughs> Because Slack is horrible. It's horribly yeah, it's- written, horribly engineered, and they're built with bloat. I know for a fact that Slack did that on purpose so that you could not have, say, like Slack and Discord on your phone at the same time or, <laughs> or your phone goes dead in an hour. So like inefficiency is actually built into their business models for this sort of shit. Uh, Facebook mm-hmm. Messenger, too. Like try having Facebook Messenger and like Slack open at the same time. See how, see how long your battery lasts. Yeah, I know so, it's uh, definitely you know. depleted my computer quite a bit. But yeah, yeah. I think what we shouldn't be having was, these problems. Yeah. No, we shouldn't be. And I think the crazy part is, is that I think Trump got something right over here where he basically, I think I remember early on in the in the storm, he was like, you know, let's build a lot of infrastructure. Interest rates are cheap. Let's do it. And looking back, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, it's going to be a lot harder to rebuild infrastructure for commodities, for... Uh, you know, transport and transit, and I guess even for the internet right now, because uh, all of this stuff is, is all of this stuff exists in meat space, right? Like, it's not, you're not moving Mm -hmm. electrons, you're moving atoms. And uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. it kind of blows my mind that like, nobody from the, you know, the self-described left was like, "Hmm, maybe we should, I don't know, like, uh, leverage some low interest rates to uh, build infrastructure early on. And now it's like, yeah, now it's just gonna get a lot harder. But see, that's the, that. There's the opportunity part. See, this means that nobody's doing this shit. Right. But the mm-hmm. opportunity is right there, and it's a it's huge if you're able to crack this. Um, yeah. I mean, I what we're... we saw over the last couple of years was people's imaginations kind of contracted, and people kind of saw an inev- inevitability that this state of things was what it had to be. So if they're trying to make money, they're doing shit like, how can we maximize the exploitation of another sector of workers? Stuff like that. Stuff that's kind of grifty, exploitative, 
um, you know, uh, that just kind of acts like the ecosystem of uh, internet applications and services that we have today will be what we have like 50 years from now or something. There was a whole startup that was just for securing social media presences for your unborn children. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, this is a startup that actually got yeah. like 20 so, million yeah, in funding. It, it, so it seems to me like we spent the last 10 plus years optimizing at the very top of the stack and now the bottom of the stack in, in all in all technologies, physical and software and, and hardware tech. Um, it seems to me like we're probably shifting back down the stack. Yeah, into, that's a good way to put it. Into stuff like, um, you know, electrical infrastructure, energy infrastructure, commodities, uh, network capacity, better technology at the fundamental layers of the internet, including, you know, bandwidth and wireless networks and, you know, more fiber and all that stuff. So I, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's probably just going to go swing in the other direction. In my opinion. Likely. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely see Software that. Software is a pretty boutique, uh, boutique edge of that whole spectrum of things. There's no reason why it, it should have dominated what we understand as the, the, as like the tech industry, the way it has. It should be it should be rightfully considered one part of a much bigger ecosystem that includes yeah. stuff like actual like physical infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yep, agreed. All right. Well, for every anyone who uh, is still listening, thanks thanks for listening to all of us rant and prognosticate <laughs> in the state of things. Uh, this is not financial advice. We felt it imperative to say at least <laughs> once. Um, but this you know, this is not life uh, advice either. This is not, this life, is not advice. life advice. Not, this is, this is not advice. This is shit posting. This is IRL shit posting basically. Um, but you know, th- we're all sharing our own personal experiences. I think we're all walking the walk and what we believe is about to happen. So we are staking something real on what we are saying here. If you wanted to come say hi or tell us that we're full of shit, um, let us know. I'd actually love to hear that. Uh, join us in the discord. We're always, we're always online. Um, email us, just let us know what you, what you think, or if you have questions, always happy to answer to the best of our abilities. All right. Well, till next time. See y'all. See ya. See you. Bye. See you. Bye.